Hey guys, this is Sean Williams of the Sean Williams Podcast Network, host of Variety Bites and The Shark Attack. I hope you've been enjoying what I've been bringing you on on this podcast. Did you know you could actually get paid for listening to this podcast and others? Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true, thanks to a new free app that I've discovered called PodCoin. And here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, you and you earn PodCoin while you listen. And you can use that for gift cards like for Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're just a charitable person, you can actually have that go to charity. So here's what you do. You download the app right now on iPhone or Android. And thanks to you guys, my growing audience I, and loyal audience, I have a special code for you. Simply use the code Williams and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. So once again, just when you install the app, make sure you use the code Williams to get your 300 PodCoin, and I swear it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. Blood, this is for the tears, this is for my pain and my plight. Two walk in, but only one of us is walking out of here tonight. I'm a survivor. Fight for my life. What is up, people? This is Variety Bites. I am Sean Williams, and we got a big show, and I'm proud to to make making his debut to to Variety Bites, longtime friend, my good friend, Mr. Travis T5 Smith. T5, what's up? What's happening? What's happening? Uh, not much. We got a lot to talk about. You know, I was ready to talk sports, but you know. We got to talk about the whole fallout with Sony and uh, Marvel. So, I, you know, first I thought it was Sony's fault. Then I'm hearing that apparently Disney got a little too greedy. Because from what I heard, they were only getting 5% from, of whatever Sony made with their own Spider-Man movie. And, but they were getting all, but Disney was getting all the merchandise. So apparently Disney wanted 50%. And apparently they Sony they were kind of insulted by that. But they didn't seem to make much of an effort with with a compromise. So let's let's say for all intents and purposes they don't re- reach a new deal. How bad is this going to hurt the MCU movies with phase 4 and 5? Spider-Man as that glue um, in the next coming phases. 
So this could pop, this could possibly like push back some. Um, not probably not anything currently, but maybe like futuristic, maybe phase five, maybe. But uh, this most definitely would hurt. Now, hopefully, I've been hearing some rumblings that they're in talks of fixing things. So hopefully that that could happen, but as it is currently that they're pulling out, this would definitely hurt. Yeah, you know, the way I looked at it is that I don't see, well, when have you known Disney to give up on something, especially when they know how much money it, it can grab? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but you know, this is just, I mean, this is too big of a thing where, I mean, you don't see people, or, with how much money is on the table with this thing, it's, there's too much for people, for anyone, for both sides to just walk away completely, or in this case, walk away without coming back. certain that they're probably going to that there's probably going to be further talks because like I said I don't see Disney backing down they they know how popular Tom Holland is as Spider-Man they they want him in their movies and yeah you're right phase 4 it probably wasn't going to affect things all that much they pretty much have phase 4 laid out phase 5 however which is when we could expect to see the sequel for for Black Panther, but also the fourth Thor movie and Guardians Three, that's pretty much when they they need to get their act together. Yeah, like Phase Four, I think they're going kind of like uh, the Galactic route, I think. And like I said, like you said, like you pointed out, they already had that pretty much mapped out. So I don't think it would affect too much with uh, Spider Man. But like that next phase, oh yeah, the one the, the one they don't have mapped out yet, <laughs> that's the one that's gonna affect. Yep, and I'll tell you this, and I've said this: if no deal is reached and Sony tries again on their own, and God forbid they even recast Spider-Man, I'm not seeing it. Oh no, nah, that's the devil. We're like the, the the internet is already going in on Sony right now, so I'm pretty sure if they were to even recast it, and, and I've heard that Tom Holland himself has, like, unfriended Sony on Yeah. Twitter. 
So, yeah, I heard yeah, that too. Everybody is going in on them right now. So yeah, I mean, the two have to come together and make this right. Yeah, I mean, he for Tom Holland. I mean, he he loves playing Spider Man, but he likes being part of the M- of the MCU. I mean, he right, and he understands how big a factor the character has become, especially with. Um, event, especially the events of Avengers Endgame. Which side... Right, like, he went from being just like a, a guest appearance side piece and stuff with Civil War and everything to being a main fixture. Like, this last Spider-Man movie put him out there in front, especially with the events of Endgame. It put, them, it put him out there front and center. Like I said... It's gonna make him Spider-Man the glue for the MCU. Yeah, I I agree with that. Plus, also, I mean, Sony can't be blind over the fact that Far From Home, thanks to being part of the MCU and especially because of Endgame, that they, they know that that movie made more than any of the other Spider-Man movies they produced. Not total, right. but each one, in terms of box office performance, it performed better than each of them. Yeah, the Spider-Man movies were all right. This one made it way better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last time, the last live-action Spider-Man movie uh, that wasn't linked to the MCU, that Sony tried to do on their own, was the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And frankly, it was those were look. They were all right. They're not a favorite. Yeah, the and the fact that this was so like linked to the MCU movies, you wanted to find out. Whoa, what happened? Where do we leave off at from Endgame? Where is this like pre Endgame? Right after? What's going on? You wanted to. You were invested. You wanted to. You were more invested than you usually were with Spider-Man. Absolutely, and you know, you want to talk invet- how invested we were with Spider-Man or with the the characters of the MCU. Anytime I watch Avengers Endgame, I keep thinking back to opening night, and the second you hear Falcon's voice, and then they start, all of them start to return. I just remember the theater just going bonkers. Dude, it was so emotional in there. And I was like, just like, I can't, like, you know, I understood everybody's feelings, you know, being a comic book fan and a movie fan. I understood everybody's feelings. And to sit there and just, like, watch other people go through it, I was like, wow, you know? Yeah, I remembered when I saw Black Panther step out of that portal and I did the Wakanda salute, like, your highness. (laughs) But I remember um, the whole place, especially when Spider-Man returned, just that was when it got the loudest. Oh, yeah, because, like, I remember in uh, Infinity War, that was one of the most, that was one of the hardest L's to take. Like, that had people, dead me in my fields. Oh, I man, to... it was brutal. Ooh, man, talk about, talk about emo. Yep, but not not only that, but when Black Panther ch- chanted to his army, 
saying, Iman Bey, and his army chanted that back. The whole place started to chant that with at the same time as his army. Yep, that was that was only rival to like uh, three hundred. Mm-hmm. Then they had you could get a whole you could get a whole movie theater riled up like that. Yep, but also um, to hear Captain America say "Avengers Assemble," I waited ten years and finally heard him say it. That was classic. That. That, that, had a, that, that meant a lot to a lot of fans. Yeah. But, you know, I think, circling back to what we were talking about with Sony and Marvel, honestly, I think we're just in the early stages of the negotiations. I don't think there's... I think that the, the odds of them not coming to some kind of agreement is impossible. Especially seeing the backlash they've got. I'm pretty sure they knew they weren't going to pull out all the way. And now that they've seen the actual backlash that, they, that both sides are getting, they're like, oh, yeah, we definitely can't pull out. Like, we were just bluffing before, but, man, we definitely can't pull out now. Oh, definitely. So going from uh, Marvel to uh, DC, going to talk a little bit about the Arrowverse. So... We all know the crisis on Infinite Earths has taken place this season, and we also know that that Arrow is coming to an end with only a 10-episode season. So, a couple questions with first with regarding Arrow. How how would you like to see Arrow end? What would be the the in your opinion the best way for it to actually end? time to think about that and I really don't know because um from what I hear they're gonna do uh there's there's there there are talks of doing a birds of prey and we all know that Black Canary is a member of the birds of prey in the comics um if they were to do like some alternate version or whatever I don't know like like I said, um, they could go the injustice route and and have uh, Oliver take a L and end up with Black Canary in an alternate timeline or something goofy. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, <clears throat> well, we all know that they're speculating another Arrowverse show, and at first I thought maybe it would be Batman Beyond because of the report about Kevin Conroy in the Crisis on Infinite Earths, but now they said that whatever this show is going to be is going to be connected to the Arrowverse. So they're not going the Black Lightning route. So. Yeah, like, the, I've, I'm, I'm, I've been hearing, like, uh, maybe, uh, um, like I said, Birds of Prey, uh, another one that I could think of, like, off the top, hmm, off the top of my head, um, I would love for them to do it. Uh, they've they're already doing Titans on um on a streaming service. So right. That's definitely out of the, that's definitely out of the uh, question. But I would have rather had have I would have rather had Team Titans be a CW show mm-hmm. than a, than a uh, 
than a uh, DC, uh, whatchamacallit show, on a streaming service. Right. Because I knew he would have done it a, a lot better. Agreed. Especially if it was the Arrowverse show. Definitely better. So here's one thing that I would like to see with um, Arrow and how it ends. Um, I will, you know, I didn't think I was going to be too crazy about the flash forwards, but having, having Oliver and Felicity's daughter, Mia, who I think is, I think she's a badass, but kind of have been a fan of hers since Shadow Hunters, so, but I would like to see her don the hood, the hood of the Green Arrow. I would like to see her basically ex- claim her birthright since she is the daughter of Oliver Queen. That'd be cool. But here's one with, um, because one thing that we do know with the crisis on Infinite Earths, the Monitor said himself, Oliver doesn't survive the crisis. So, do we see kind of, I mean, not exactly like what we saw in Endgame, but do we see a Tony Stark kind of memorial thing for Oliver. That's a possibility. And that would be fitting, too. But, uh, like Especially with all the flack that, uh, that uh, Oliver got and everything as, and, you know, as uh, Green Arrow at, or The Hood. Um, it would be fitting that, you know, he would take an L for the world and they memorialize him for it. They finally give him his just due. It would be fitting. I think it, and also it's fitting because of the fact that all of that we've seen created, the whole Arrowverse, it all started with him. Yeah, he was definitely the glue of the, the, the Arrowverse. And all the, like, all the different, not, not only the, the actors, but the characters all respected, not just Stephen Amell, but they also respected Oliver Queen. You know, Barry Allen, Supergirl, they all respected Oliver Queen. And they all followed him. They all followed his lead. They all drew from him. Yeah, and let me say um, how you've said, and I've heard the same thing about the possibility of Birds of Prey. As the new Arrowverse show, hey, it's still got Katie Cassidy in it. I'm in. Oh, most definitely. And you know, I like I like the whole redemption arc that they've done with Black Siren. And factually, it does make sense considering if by if memory serves me, in in the comics, Black Canary is from Earth Two. Right. And, um... They bring back Huntress, um, Black Canary, and most likely Batgirl? Yeah, they, well, if you do Birds of Prey, you have to have Oracle. Right. But um, there's also um, uh, another Batgirl. I don't know if they go that route with it, but... Um, the only reason I don't think the only thing I the only reason I don't think they'll go that route is because they already got Batwoman out there. 
Given it's two different characters, but I just don't see that they would do that when they already have Batwoman going on. Yeah, that's right. They probably, they'd probably be doing that. Probably be doing too much and too much explaining. <laughs> so, so yeah, they probably that they probably like whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a little bit over. That's a little overload. So I, yeah, they probably pull the reins back on that one. Now you know, eventually with Supergirl, we did see Superman finally appear. Now that they've got Batwoman and they've introduced Gotham City into the Arrowverse, how long do you think it'll be before we finally see Batman? I think they may they would they would may take I don't know they probably take their cue from Gotham and pump their brakes on that because um, with Batman you would kind of he would definitely overshadow it because. I know Gotham is totally different and everything, writing and everything, but everybody was waiting for Batman, Batman, Batman. But the whole thing was supposed to be telling the story of Gotham, the ascension of uh, Commissioner Gordon, and then the beginning of Batman uh, of Rising, but not supposed to be Batman-centered. So they did a real good job of that. Now, with Batwoman, you're supposed to be telling her story. Nobody knows hiding or hair of her. We need to learn about her. If you put Batman in there, just a little a little drip, drip, drip of Batman, cool. But if anybody gets the, the, the little smallest inkling that Batman can show up, they're already going to be like, Batman, Batman, when's Batman coming? When's Batman coming? And that could take away too much from her story. Yeah, I can understand that because the second that Batman reappears, you're going to automatically assume, why is he now going to go back to protecting Gotham? Right. I mean, Bert, the original Birds of Prey series that they did a long, a long time ago, they basically, I mean... They had it that Batman left, but they kind of made it, well, they had a, I guess, legit explanation on why he, why he left. Because they moved Joker from Arkham. And at one point, their version of Huntress was saying how the only thing she wanted from her father was to get the son of a bitch that killed her mom. Which, that, that was basically why Batman left. Keeping a promise. Yeah, um, I think I think they'll they'll probably pump their brakes with bringing Batman in, especially since the whole the whole thing with Batwoman is like you know Batman's not here, so I'm doing the job and I'm trying to get my respect. So you know they'll probably go pump they'll probably pump their brakes with Batman. Yeah, I mean, Supergirl with how they brought in Superman, they they did it smart in keeping Superman's appearances to a minimum. So that, yeah, so she's not getting overshadowed by him. Oh, yeah, because that would have totally killed that. Because you'd be like, okay, so when's the next when Superman coming back? Now, like, you're where's your cousin coming back? Yeah. Now, we talked about Batwoman, and you know, there's 
quite a few people on social media that that are just moaning and groaning about Batwoman. I don't get the hate for that show. It hasn't even aired yet, and people are already saying, oh, it's not going to work. It can, if done right. Um, I think a lot of people, like some of these, uh, these um, old-timey, um, <laughs> these old-timey uh, social media warriors and stuff that, oh, man, she's she's a feminist, and oh, man, then, then they find out that that she happens to like the ladies. Have you not read the comic book? Duh. <laughs> it pays it pays to read the source material. So it's all gonna be in there. So good luck with that. But yeah, it can work. Like if you tell this it's all about the storytelling. Like nobody has a problem with bad with bad woman in the in the story. Like she's not the most popular of the Bat family, so that's probably why. Like, she's she's good. She's good when you put her with the rest of the Bat family, but solo-wise, she's not the most popular of the Bat family. But at the same time, neither was Green Arrow. Trust me, Green Arrow was not the most popular of the Justice League, and they made him matter. Yeah, and you know, would you would you say that possibly this is just a theory? Some people probably thought, why are you introducing Batwoman when you still haven't introduced Batman? That's true, but like, cause they haven't even like mentioned Batman. Well, why? They did actually mention. Well, there was mention of him, but not until the Elseworlds crossover that. That he just yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they did mention mention them, but like, I mean, as far as you know, the character, like, have him show up or, or anything of that matter. Yeah, so you're like, where the hell? Who the hell is Batman? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah, even showed up on camera. Like, who the hell is Batman? And uh, like I was saying before, she isn't like the most popular of not only the Bat family, but like. Period. Well, I guess you could say the Bad Fam. She isn't the most popular member of the Bad Fam. So you're probably wondering why bring her in. So, the thing about it is with good writing, and the CW has pretty good writing, they can make her matter. And, you know, I mean, from what I saw in the Elseworlds crossover with her, I, I liked what I saw. From what I've been hearing and reading... Ruby Rose has taken that role seriously. She does not want to screw this one up. Because I think she feels so passionate about this this character. So I respect her for that. Yeah, if you have, like, great writing and great acting, then you can knock it out the park. I mean, social issues aside, you can, you, you'll sit there and watch that. I will say this, though, from what I, another thing that kind of caught from uh, Elseworlds, crossovers, crossovers with uh, Batwoman, and, or crossover team-ups with Batwoman and Supergirl, yes, please. Oh, most definitely. I mean, mostly because just the brief interactions between the two, 
to me, it was reminiscent of Circle All the Way Back to the Superman animated series and having Batman and Superman team up. That was great. I remember, I remember watching that, and the first time I watched Batman and Superman together, I was like, yes, this is everything. And then the interaction between Superman and Batman, the, diff- the conflicting attitudes, the conflicted personalities was so great. Now, to see the, uh, the contrasting personalities of Bat- Batwoman and Supergirl and how they interact with each other would be great once again. Yeah, and who could forget with Batman and Superman how both of them found out each other's identities. That was so dope. It was like, <laughs> he was like, sure thing. He's like, sure thing, Clark. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, he sees through the costume, he goes, Bruce Wayne? And all Batman could say is, you peaked. And then later, Superman at his apartment, he sees a homie, a tracer on his cape. He looks, he sees Batman on a rooftop. And he just salutes to him with a smile. That was just classic. That was so good. But, you know, with, um, I will say, so, with, so far, with, we've seen, we, I mean, we've seen them do crossovers ever since The Flash was introduced. But in terms of the big ones, you have, well, the two-parter, which, um, was, which introduced Vandal Savage. But then you had The Invasion, then you had Crisis on Earth X, and then Elseworlds. What would you say has been your favorite of the crossovers so far? Man, that that Crisis um, with Earth X was pretty good. Like, to see the different, the alternate versions and stuff, that was pretty good. To see the different characters with different attitudes, different personalities and stuff. That was really good. Yeah, and one part that still cracks me up is Supergirl and Flash arrive, but they see Green Arrow hasn't shown up. Then Oliver pulls up and he says, quick reminder, super speed. I don't have it. <laughs> but, um, and I, I gotta tell you, I kind of got a kick out of, uh, out of the Earth X version of Snard. Man, like, like I said, not only, not only him, but like, just about everybody across the board, the different versions, and <laughs> that definitely was a turn. That definitely was a turn for me. I was like, wait, wait, hold up, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I was like, Snard. With a conscience? Right, that was that was definitely uh, uh that was definitely odd, but very very funny. Tell you, you want to talk about heartbreakers though? Seeing the the death of Martin Stein and pretty much the end of Firestorm, that was brutal. Oh man, that that was hard right there. But um. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that one. EarthX right now is still probably my favorite of the crossovers. Although I will say the Elseworlds one, I did kind of like. I did get a kick out of seeing Barry shoot Oliver in the back. 
I mean, just Barry's whole, I've been waiting four years to do that. <laughs> but, um, but I like, I did like, um, I also, I mean, I love the addition of Superman in, in the mix. And like that little Easter egg with Amazo in the first episode. Oh man, we definitely need uh, a Mazo. Um, that could be that could be huge. Well, and, you, uh, you never know. They still have the scrap the scrap parts of what's left of him after that battle at Star Labs. Right. Um, and from what I'm understanding, is we're going to get multiple Superman, not just Superman, but Superman. Yeah, so we got Tyler Hecklin returning as Superman, but we also have Brandon Routh is going to do double duty, playing the Atom, but also the Superman from Superman Returns. Right. And uh, I threw this out there to a couple of friends, and I was like, um, you know what would be like the greatest thing ever? If they were happen to somehow convince Tom Welling to come back, like one time and put on the suit yeah I would love to see that but you know a couple other things that headed into the crisis on infinite earths that I'm looking forward to I liked the finale of Supergirl where they showed that the monitor brought Malefic to earth you know crap's about to get real with that one considering the history between him and John Jones oh yeah but also the monitor bringing back Le- or reanimating Lex Luthor, which, seriously, how good was John Cryer as Lex? Surprisingly good. <laughs> like, I, we, all, we, all, we all love some John Cryer. Everybody pretty much uh, loves the guy. But the, you, I don't think a lot of people had their reservations when they heard that he was going to be playing Lex Luthor. He's like, I don't know. I got to see it first. And then when they saw it, they were like, okay, cool. I'm on board. <laughs> He'd even joked about it in interviews when, um, when the, uh, the interviewer said, you're the, you are the last person that I would ever expect to play Lex Luthor. He goes, that's funny. I'm the last person that I would ever expect to play Lex Luthor. And he said the one thing that he did enjoy about getting cast as the character, it did give him an excuse to get a lot of fancy suits. Oh, yeah. If, if Lex has anything, it's a lot of suits. Yeah, he said, um, unlike uh, Alan Harper from Two and a Half Men, he's a lot more put together. Which I cracked up at that one. But I'll admit, and I, I'm trying not to be like a total prude with this, but... It took me a bit of an adjustment of seeing Lex Luthor with a beard. Yeah, I've, I've never really seen Lex with a beard in the comics. Yeah, I so, can't recall either. But um, just him screaming Miss Tessmacher, I was like, oh, he's got it nailed. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was great. Yeah, um, but 
And I know that there's also been the rumor of Superman getting his own series. But, you know, you and I talked about this and just... I, f I feel like the biggest challenge it would have would be to, to be a completely different show from Supergirl, even though they ha their powers are similar. But I think one advantage that Supergirl has is the fact that she, rely she has more people that she relies on. It's not just her out there. Because you got Brainy, you got Dreamer, you got Alex, you have Jean. So she has more people that she kind of count relies on too. While Superman's always been just heading, heading headstrong right into battle on his own without really turning to anyone for help. Right. I mean, um, Supergirl... Uh, for all intents and purposes, is kind of like Team Flash and Team Arrow. She has a team around her. She has a support system. Because sometimes she's not feeling 100%. She's down, she's in on herself. And she has her sister. And she has other people that rally around her and say, you're Supergirl. Get it together. You can do this. With Superman, he doesn't really have that. He doesn't have that support system, but he also doesn't really have that confidence issue either. Now, if they were to do a Superman, um, like, spinoff, which is kind of weird because Superman should be, it should be the other way around. Right, right. But um, if they were to do a Superman-centric show, the thing I would go, go for is I would go, like, okay... We already know him and Lois are together. Let's start from there. And maybe they could do the um, Jonathan, um, they could do the Jonathan Kent with a young Superman or a baby Superman and have it like him and Lois navigating parenthood. And how is that changing Superman? Maybe they can, and that would make it more, that would make it a lot different than the Superman we've seen, than any Superman we've seen, because he's never been a parent. In none of the movies, in none of the shows, he's never been a parent, and they've never been married. True. It's a, it's definitely a different, in, different setting for Superman that I think would help it if they did do its own series. And also the one thing for that show that can't, or for Superman that, or for Supergirl that it has that can't be duplicated is, is the bond between Supergirl and Alex. Right, like, like, they have this, they have the sisterly bond, knowing they're not blood, they have the sisterly bond, Superman, like I said, Superman doesn't have anybody like that. Right. And I gotta say, I mean, heading into the fifth season for Supergirl, which who would have thought it would be going this far? I gotta say, um, other than, of course, John Cryer as Lex, one thing that I would say that I, I think was a positive about last season, I did enjoy, um, I thought that the addition of Brainy and also of uh, of Dreamer. I thought they were both welcome additions. Yeah, that, like 
I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting any um any new characters or anything, but that was good. And um, especially uh um with like some of the exits they were they were uh they were planning on having. So that definitely was a. Uh, Yeah, and I know that uh, James Ol the character of James Olsen is supposed to be be departing this season. You know, right. I feel like I'm not exactly bent up about it as much, just because it felt like he was just I mean, in the last season. He's just been there. He's not really. He hasn't really done a whole lot. So I can kind of understand it. But um, when I said how Dreamer and Brainy are, were welcome additions, Brainy's just how, he, how awkward he is, it, especially when the confessing to counting cards. It's just funny as hell to me. That, he's, that he just, as smart as he is, he can kind of be a little airheaded. But, um, you know, I mean, it, um, one, one other Arrowverse show I wanted to ask you about is, of course, Legends of Tomorrow, which is also going to be in a fifth season. And I got, you know, I didn't really, of the season finales, that was probably the one I probably didn't, probably liked the least. So, question I got for you is, how much life do you think Legends of Tomorrow has left in it? Um, it all it all depends. Like since the beginning, they've had a nice way of rotating members of the show and keeping it keeping it funky. You know, keeping it different from the different Arrowverse shows. And not only that, like I said, uh, they rotated so they rotated members and everything, so from season to season, which was kind of cool, but it was kind of also it kind of also sucked because you get used to this lineup and this person interacting with this person, and next thing you know, oh so and so's gone, or oh that so and so's gone. Like what happened to her? And, you know, people leaving and stuff. You, you got used to Captain Cold, and he's gone. You got used to Hawk Girl, and she's gone. You got used to... So many people were rotating in and out that you were just getting used to. And then they would bring somebody in, and they were new, and you were like, all right, cool. Let me get behind this person. So that's kind of like a double-edged sword. Body would take away a person, but then they would add somebody new, and you get invested in them, and then there's the hope that they don't leave. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, let's not also not forget Vixen is another one, and not not to mention, I feel like how they handled Rip Hunter was they handled him poorly. Yeah, like you 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 looked at him as the leader, and to take him out was kind of was you're like you're like okay, so why 
White Canary is the leader now? I guess. <laughs> I said, I guess I can get behind that. I don't want to be a jerk. <laughs> so I guess I can get behind that. Um, I like the Vixen too because I wasn't expecting, I was not expecting that character to be put in the series and they did that well. Um, there's a lot of characters like Vixen that you could like Vixen, like the Adam that you could, that DC has that you could put into Legends. So you don't have to like make up a character like off the, off the cuff or whatever. You can actually go into DC's files, years of files, and bring somebody whoop, and put them in there. But like you also got to come up with a storyline as well. Yeah. Although I will, I mean, it wasn't a, I won't say that last season was a complete bust. I definitely loved the addition of Constantine. That was great. Everybody heard, heard about that? And they were like, can we get Constantine, please? Can we get him? Can we get him? They gave him to him. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but I will say this. Can we? Can they please ditch Gary and can, or at the very least shut up about his stupid nipple? <laughs> that that guy just really was annoying the crap out of me. Yeah, they need to do something about that. Like, like there's there's funny and then there's like overkill. <laughs> and the character of and the character of Ramona, I feel like I feel like she was one that was almost forced forced on us. But um. But yeah, you know, oh, I was gonna say. Um, other than the obvious, the biggest thing with uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths is, of course, the Flash headline, the one where Barry is supposed to disappear. So, I mean, I heard one a friend of mine told me this one theory that the Flash will vanish in the Crisis, but it may not be the Barry we know. It may be a different that's Barry kind of, Allen. That's kind of the, the same thinking I was going through because with Crisis, um, there are so many versions of the different characters because it's a multiverse thing. Right. So there's so many different versions, like they're doing the different versions of, of Superman. They have different versions of Flash. They have different versions of, of the Lanterns, etc., etc. I could see this being a different version of Flash is going to take the L. Because in Crisis, Barry disappears. He goes into the Speed Force. He takes the L. And Wally ends up ascending to become the Flash. But then Barry comes back. Yeah, and... It's years later, but Barry does eventually come back. Yeah, and they already had Barry go into the Speed Force, so I doubt they're going to have that happen again. Especially since they don't have a Wally West. Not now, anyway. They've used up their, their disappearing act for, for, one, for one time already. They used their card already. So, but here's the, in, here's, the interest, here's the other, when I was talking with somebody, that here's the other interesting theory that of where Barry goes, since he's not, obviously, not 
going into the speed force, but he vanishes. He chases that how he goes how Thawne went back in time to kill Bear, to try and kill Barry as a kid. Which inevitably he ended up killing his mom instead. That Bear that or A Flash follows Thawne and stops him from killing young Barry. Completing the paradox. Closing the loop. Wow, that could happen. It it would be possible. But of course the one thing that I mean, if I mean if it's if it is the berry that we know, then what? Why didn't he? Why wasn't he able to return? Because from what we remember from from Nora, when before her timeline was changed, he never returned. But again, it could be a version of Barry Allen, but not the version that we know. Yeah, I think that's the route they're gonna go. They're gonna go with up. Uh, uh one of the multiverse versions of Barry that takes the L instead of our version of Barry. Yeah. By the way, I think in the whole Arrowverse, out of all the shows, set aside John Cryer as Lex, is there any is there any better... I don't think there's a better villain in the whole Arrowverse than the reverse Flash. Man, that guy... That guy is great. <laughs> oh, Tom Cavanaugh just really takes it to a whole new level as Thawne. Like, he was causing so much hell when he first showed up. And then what happened in last season's finale with Nora vanishing, you just, you hated him to the point where you thought, somehow, some way, I hope you pay for this. Like, just everything that he's taken from Barry, you just want him you want Barry to make him pay. Like the whole reverse flash like story is just just great. Like the whole reason his whole reasoning behind not liking him. <laughs> yeah. But also it's like, you know, it they it almost like they have to like the two have to exist like like cuz with the introduction of negative speed force they're like they're like two sides of a coin that w- like one can't exist without the other pretty much it's like the more you try the more he tries to take to get rid of flash he kind of figures like i can't get rid of him so I just gotta mess with him. Nemesis has to have a rival. That's basically all there is to it on that one. Um, but let me ask you though, before we jump into sports, who would you say is probably the worst villain? Uh, and you could say either of just Flash or the Arrowverse in general. Who would you say is probably your least favorite villain? Really like, oh man, they could have did without that. Vivian 
it ranged from like, wow, that guy was great, to then he did his job. So I am I don't think there's anybody I really didn't lie, I really felt that that strong dislike for. <laughs> um, you know, originally because I hated season four of Arrow so much, I would have said Damien Dark. But I ended up liking the character a lot more when they brought him on Legends. I liked him a lot better on Legends than I did on Arrow. Agreed. But I will say, it's a kind of a tie for least favorite to me. I really didn't like The Thinker. And I also... I also couldn't get behind Cicada. Nah, I wasn't. Nah, I wasn't a huge Cicada fan. I'll give you that much. I'll give you that one. But I will say this about the Thinker: they had a better actor for that character. And all due respect to the guy, to Chris Klein, who played uh, the, I guess, the first Cicada. He's not that great. Or to put it in a or in a more blunt sense, he stinks, capiche. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, what killed it for me with the thinker was the whole like sw- swapping bodies crap. I don't know, it just didn't really set well with me. Yeah, I think that probably was it. All right, so jumping into sports, you know, it seems, first I'll start with basketball. It feels like the Lakers are trying to do everything they can to find somebody else so they don't have to resort to signing Dwight Howard. Because that's kind of like awkward. (laughs) Yeah, and also the other problem is the fact that the guy came off of his he had a back injury, and he has not been the same player since. Oh, no. Like, he's like, it's like this term we have. He's hell when he's well. The dude can ball when he's healthy. Keyword, when he's healthy. Yeah, that's always the key word on it. And basically, if you sign Dwight Howard... <laughs> You'd have been better off if you just had DeMarcus Cousins play in a wheelchair. Pretty much. You'll be waiting to find out, okay, when's it going to fall apart? When's it going to fall apart? It's kind of like, oh, uh, that was Hop Tuck Time Machine. Mm-hmm. How they were waiting to see how the bellhop was going to lose his arm. So you right. Sat through the whole, you sat through the whole movie waiting to see how the bellhop was going to lose his arm. Oh, here it goes, here it goes, here it goes. Oh, man, nah, nah, nah. That's kind of like DeMarcus. I mean, not uh, DeMarcus, because it's kind of like White Howard. Like, this is when he's going to get injured. This is when he's going to get injured. <gasps> oh, nah, he's still all right. He's all right. He's all right. Yeah, I don't think they want to sign Dwight Howard unless it's a last resort. A very last resort. Pretty much. Which I can't blame him on this one. Now, talk a little about, bit about football. I got to say, right now... My Steelers look like damn geniuses for making that deal with the Raiders by dropping Antonio Brown on them. Because it's like, good luck, now he's your problem. 
it kind of is. Like everybody was, everybody was like, "Man, yo guys are." Wait, never mind. <laughs> you guys are stupid. No, no, never. I take that back. <laughs> These guys are starting to walk that one back now. Especially now, they're definitely starting to walk that one back. I've had. We seen. I've had arguments with I've had arguments with people about my about my Steelers saying that they lost Bell and they lost Brown. How can they still be good? It's called addition by subtraction. You got rid of two very toxic players, toxic and selfish players, and now the team can actually breathe a little easier. With Le'Veon Bell situation, I see that a little bit differently than Brown. It's like the running backs have a shelf life. Or they supposedly have a shelf life. I think a couple of people have proven that wrong. A couple of running backs have proven that wrong. But, um, like, allegedly, running backs have a shelf life. So you're going to have to make your money, you know, with the time you got. Because they're going to run you ragged. These teams are going to run you ragged. And especially with the skill set that Le'Veon Bell has. Only can he block. Not only could he run and run uh, run outs, uh, run routes and run between the tackles. You, he's also he's like this all-purpose dude, and they're gonna use him and run him ragged. And he's not good. And you gotta make your money, because once they like, oh, he's thirty, gotta cut him, or oh, he's thirty, gotta trade him. You know, these these cap contracts are not guaranteed. They're like once he's once he's oh oh he's thirty 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 what? Time to go. And they'll get rid of you so fast. Of course, another team might take a, a chance on you before a lower price. So, of course, he's going to want to make his money. I will say this about in, in, the, in Bell's defense. He, is, he wasn't raising a stink over a preferred helmet. He already had said he need he needs to decide if he's all in or or not. So I, it sounds like they've had it up to here with him. Anybody that knows Mike Mayock knows he's a non he's a no he's old school no nonsense dude. John Gruden's the same way. So they're mess. So he's he's not messing around with Mike Tomlin and, and the Raid uh the uh, Steelers front office. He's messing around with two old school dudes that don't play that stuff. You want an example of John Gruden not being being a no-nonsense guy? Ask Keyshawn Johnson. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's traded dudes for less. So, I mean... He's cut dudes for less. That, too. 
I mean, they're based, they're, both their mentalities is basically the day you start acting like a diva is the day you're off this team. Oh, yeah, they're not messed up about cutting, cutting the star. Not to mention, if he, to, I don't, does Brown even grasp the idea that if he, if he doesn't do any, if he doesn't show up to practice, he could end, he can end up being in breach of contract, which means they can cut his ass and he gets nothing. Well, he has showed up to practice, so I mean, so I think I don't think that's an issue anymore. Yeah, well, well, I guess he, that's the last thing he wanted is to end up with getting no money. Yeah, they 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 they, they got the they, I think they got pretty much got their point across and talked to him or something or or he got the message because he showed up showed up to practice. <laughs> yeah, and well, Drew Rosenhaus probably told him, "Look, you you got to get it back in there, otherwise they're not going to pay you." Pretty much. But like I mean, do I really think that? Losing Brown and losing Bell is going to make the Steelers better. Can't make them worse. Nah, like that that whole situation was pretty toxic. Now, they weren't the... They, I'm not going to put it all on them. I mean, for like a long time, Mike uh, Tomlin has let that whole thing slide. He's let Big Ben do what he's wanted to do. He let AB do what he wanted to do. It's like that, just like that little kid that says all the cute stuff, and you just say, "Oh, kids say the darndest things," and you let it slide. It's cute until it becomes until he becomes a, a, a tween or a teen, and he's still wiling out like that. And that's basically what happened with AB. They sat there and like, "Oh, that's cute. He's doing this. Oh, that's cute. He's doing this." And then it starts to get a little escalated, and it's not cute no more. Exactly. So if anything, they're fo- they will definitely have be a more focused team now that they have the two guy, the two problematic players out of it. Like they really didn't have any leaders to put their foot down and say, "Hey, this is how we rock," and that's that. They didn't have a Brady. They didn't have a Breeze. And for a lack, uh, for intents and purposes, they didn't have a Philip Rivers either. A guy who everybody knows is the guy, and who sets the tone and tell it, this is how we rock, and this is how we roll. Uh, Roethlisberger was not that dude. He definitely wasn't that dude. So he had to do a complete uh, face turn. <laughs> When when they when they got rid of uh, Bell and um and Brown, he had to do a complete face turn. Okay, who all wants to come hang out with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all my receivers, running backs, who wants to come hang out with, with old Ben? And he had to do a complete overhaul because there wasn't nobody else. Yeah, there was nobody, literally nobody else to blame now. So if this doesn't work out, they're like they're gonna go look right to him. Yep, I agree with that. All right, so one more topic I wanted to bring up before we wrap this thing. Side note, Sci-Fi announced that the show Krypton will not have a third season. 
you know, I was starting to get into that show, but I can understand why that didn't get the following that it had. I mean, how do you... You're basically following... Uh, it's kind of a prequel, but it's also kind of a what-if. Um, but you're focusing... Like, basically, the only way for this, the future to be preserved and for Superman to do exist yeah, is having to tell past people that your planet's got to blow up. I had trouble... I gave Krypton a shot. When I first heard they were doing Krypton, I was like... Now you know good and well you're not going to have anything Superman, anything futurist. This got to be a prequel. And they went way back with it. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's give it a shot. I watched the first maybe like three, four episodes before I started to go like, okay, so um, uh, they're, they're going to move, they're going to do what with who? And I'm like, man it was just hard to follow like I tried to give it a shot and uh they tried to get me back with with uh Lobo and I was like mm, as much as I like the character of Lobo it's a little bit too late for me you yeah. might be able to come bring somebody else back in but it's a little bit too late for me I was like hey sci-fi at least you still got the magicians <laughs> <laughs> And you know, I mean, I like I liked how Brainiac looked. I liked that they stayed true on that one. And I agree with you about Lobo. They well, Doomsday is not that hard to make make him look, but and I even liked the actor that they had playing General Zod. Who you if you recall, he was also Oliver Queen's stepfather on uh, the first two seasons of Arrow. Right. I mean, he did he did a pretty menacing sounding kneel before Zod. I was I was kind of wondering where I knew that guy from. Yeah, he was from that era, but also in a Resident. He was also in the first Resident Evil movie. Right. Like I said, I, I gave the I gave it its 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 four game minimum. <laughs> yeah. And it really, it was really hard to follow. I, I understood where they were going with it, but it just never grabbed me like I wanted it to. Yeah, and you know, the only shame about it not getting a third season, I was curious to see how they did Darkseid. Because they that's, hinted at that. That's, that's another thing. That would have been, been interesting. A lot of this other stuff that they're doing now would have been interesting to know with the first season because <laughs> you kind of been like okay so you're going to bring Lobo in later okay I think I'll stick around but it just it just didn't like I said it just didn't grab me it was like you said it was kind of a time travel slash what if type thing and you're you kind of like really? Yeah and I heard they're going to do a Lobo series but I don't know if that's even still in talks now that they cancelled the show Oh yeah. If they can if they can capitalize on that 
and have him as the cosmic bounty hunter. <laughs> and he's just like this whole roadhouse, rugged fighting and brawling, and he's usually wrong. <laughs> he's usually on the wrong side of everything. Like, yeah, that guy's not a bad guy. You're trying to capture and you And you sprinkle in some DC characters, you know, maybe lesser known DC characters or DC characters that people actually do know. That would be great. If you had them interacting with like the Green Lanterns, I don't know if they, if, I don't know if they could do that, but that would be great. Like the Green Lanterns are supposed to be the law, and here he is, like a bounty hunter. That would be great. Like see him piss Guy Gardner off, who nobody likes. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious if they still went through with it. Would it be set in present day or still a past thing or what? But because I mean, Lobo's an alien. We don't know how old he is, but but um, yeah, he's definitely the perfect anti-hero. And like you, I enjoyed the animated version of Lobo, both in the Superman cartoon and in uh, Justice League. Yeah, if they were to do like a Lobo, if they if they did it like maybe set in like the past then they can get away with not having a lot of the present-day heroes in there. People are like, but where's Superman? Superman wasn't born yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about, hey, where's the Green Lanterns? Those Green Lanterns were not here yet. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you could totally get away with that. You could do it, but I feel like if they had it set in the past for Lobo, it would limit them a lot. Because you'd be like, so what heroes you gonna throw in there? What, what DC characters you gonna throw in there? Like, um, uh, oh, uh, we we didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just gonna throw in some random aliens that we made up. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, but I guess we'll see if the Lobo series is still in the works. But before wrapping things up, I did want to ask you with the uh, with the summer movies. So. What move? I gave you time to think about this one. What would you say is the, for in your opinion, the best movie of this summer season, and least favorite? Okay, now I've seen a couple, and I didn't really have any that I did not like. Like, like if you're gonna get my nine ninety nine, if you're gonna get my my nine dollars or whatever, I'm like, it's gonna be a movie that I'm definitely gonna see. And, um, there's, okay, correction. I just thought about this uh, earlier, that correction. The Child's Play movie was a bit of a letdown. Uh, I like, I like, I like Chucky. Don't get me wrong, but the story itself and everything, uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one either. Um, but for me, best movie, it's got to be Endgame. Most definitely. Like, that had that had the most hype, the most build-up, and the most emotional investment, and then the most payoff. It actually did, it actually paid off. You were like, it didn't, like, it didn't lack in story. You were, you were sitting, like, a lot, whenever a lot of people found out how long it was going to be, Everybody was in agreement. You know what? 
I learned this trick <laughs> that if you use the, the popcorn bucket and <laughs> you use it if you gotta you if you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> like a lot of people were, were a lot of people were like, Yeah, um so cool. If uh we hold it <laughs> can you hold it? Like they were not leaving. They were gonna be built in for 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 all for the whole movie, they were gonna be camped out. Like you know what? If we get all our food now, then we don't have to go back later in the middle of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody was not leaving. Like not leaving. Like you got everything you want. You sure you got everything you want? You sure you're sure? Because we're not leaving. Yeah. Everybody was was gonna sit there. Like that's how invested everybody was for Endgame. Yeah, I didn't eat or drink nothing with that movie. I was not taking chances. If I had to go, I was going to piss myself in my seat. I didn't care. That was one of those, that was one of those, like, like, uh, vacation trip, like, speeches, like, okay, everybody, who has to go before we get in here? Before we get in here, who has to go? And you're talking to adults. <laughs> okay, okay, group, who has to go before we go in? And nobody? Cool. Get a good seat. <clears throat> We're in here for the duration. Nobody's leaving. If you gotta leave, or if you gotta go, you know where the bathroom is. I'm not leaving. Right. Now, what about biggest movie? The movie that, to, to you, it, like, it surprised you, like it exceeded your expectations. Or, if you can't think of one for that, one that you expected something out of and it didn't turn out good. The one that exceeded expectations oh I'll give it to Shazam I liked I, I liked cause I liked the Captain Marvel character so I was hoping that it was gonna do good and when I seen it it exceeded expectations I was like that was that was good way to redeem yourself DC that was good yeah I mean I, I agree with you. I think the biggest surprise to me because I didn't know what to expect and it definitely way exceeded my expectations. It's got to be Shazam. I mean, so many people were complaining that it's not dark and gritty. You you are not going to make that movie dark and gritty. The thing about it is Shazam isn't a dark and gritty character. Exactly. I mean, hell, I, I was busting up when he had... When he grabbed the sorcerer's staff, had had his uh, foster siblings grab grab it, and then said, "Say my name," and they say, "Billy." No, not that thing. I was busting up at that. <laughs> and Mark Strong is a badass, and no matter what movie you put him in, I mean, as bad as the Green Lantern movie was, even though we didn't see enough of him in it, he was he was a not a bad Sinestro. We don't speak of that movie. <laughs> that, in my defense, it was one of the, it was the one redeeming thing about it. But that's not that's like basically moving dog crap from the front yard to the backyard. Until we get a, until we get a better Green Lantern, we don't speak of that movie. Agreed. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that movie never. What? Who? Green Arrow? Green Arrow? Green Arrow had a movie? No, Green Lantern. Who, who's that? <laughs> okay, I'll put it. Let me rephrase that. Mark Strong was good in 
in the first Kick-Ass movie and in the Kingsman movies. <laughs> that's, that's easier to say than the movie that shall not be named. I also enjoyed uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I wanted to see that. I still, I have not seen it. I want to see that. I've, I've seen, I've seen like the trailers and everything, and I have not seen a bad. I haven't really run into a bad Tarantino movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. To me, my, I mean, it fall, it falls in my top three. But it still falls behind Inglorious Bastards and Pulp Fiction. That's like trying to pick a favorite child. Almost. Well, my. What's your favorite Tarantino movie? Like, don't you do that to me. You trying to get me in trouble? (laughs) Yeah, and you know, I was I was raising a stink about how iTunes was selling this Tarantino set of movies, but they included From Dusk Till Dawn, and I was like, wait a minute, it's not a Tarantino movie. But then, after doing some digging, okay, yes and no. He didn't direct it, but he did write the story. He did write the screenplay for it. Now, see, that's that's why I've always considered that a Tarantino movie. Yeah, I mean, he starred in it. I think he was a producer for it. And, like I said, he wrote the screenplay. So, technically, it counts. He just didn't direct it. Right. Like, like, like for the longest I've considered I know he didn't direct it but I've always considered it a Tarantino movie but um the reason why Inglorious Bastards is a close is a I would say is my second favorite you're not only seeing Nazis get their comeuppance they're getting it at the hands of Jewish soldiers and seeing Hitler getting shot up is always a hell of a thing that's always a kick I mean it, it doesn't get it Tarantino movies, you can turn around and watch it again and still get the same kick that you got before. It's not going to be like the same pop that you got when you you see it for the first time, but you're still going to get a kick out of it. Like, you sit there and watch uh, Pulp Fiction, you're still going to get a kick out of it. That's one of those movies I got to watch from the very beginning, because that whole trade-off between Tim Roth's character and his girlfriend in the diner, I got to hear that. That dialogue is awesome. When, when she asks him, so what, day jobs? And he goes, not in this life. <laughs> I gotta watch The Wolf. That's oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite characters. Nah, he's just so smooth. And he's in there, and he's in there trying to explain to him, like, like who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. He's like, whoa, 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 just let him do his job. It's so smooth. I was like, Harvey Keitel killed that. I don't think that character would have worked as well if you didn't have Harvey Keitel playing him. I mean, he just just did it so well. But um, one thing I'll say for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's impossible to not be entertained by Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt, much less the both of them. Them do their thing, and then you put them in a Tarantino movie, 
which can be so random at sometimes, is it just works. So I'm definitely that's definitely a movie I still want to go see. And but also, um, I feel like Brad Pitt is at his strongest when there's humor in his character. Right. Like, like you're expecting him to be the serious guy or something in some of these roles. And so when he has a character where there's some humor in it, he just, it's just, it's, just he, it's like he, t- he takes it to another level. Yeah, and the only gripe I have about the movie, just to give you a word of a war- warning with it, it's long. It's like a good two hours and 45 minutes, and it can be a little slow in the beginning. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good with long movies. <laughs> I will say this. If you cut down the amount of uh, scenes where Tarantino is, just, is having people just drive around, and also if you cut down the amount of him with the women's feet close-ups, I think you'd probably knock out half, a, half an hour from that movie. <laughs> he really went hardcore with those two things. It's like, geez, you'd figure he was making this his last movie and was just going all out with it. I was like, yeah, you could probably cut out a good 30 to 40 minutes of of that movie if you took out that stuff. But, yeah, well, uh, I, uh, I'm, not too, uh, I'm not too bothered by long movies, so well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but I will tell you, without saying anything, don't worry, I'm not, but... The final, the final quarter of that movie, it'll be the best, it's like the most awesome 20 plus minutes of a movie that you will ever see. Sounds like a Tarantino movie. Yeah, you just take my word for it, it is just that badass. Like with, like with most of his movies, like the last 20 minutes or 15 minutes... It's just usually like a wild ride that rounds out the movie really well. Yeah, and it it's definitely lives up to that. And then it kind of like drops you off and lets you off the lets you, lets you off the bus, like kind of like kind of like with Dust Till Dawn. It's like they drop you off and let you off the bus. <laughs> Who's coming with us? Like, uh, y'all can leave now. And you're like, oh, it's over. You want some more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're not completely spent, you want some more. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Um, but so much of the nostalgia of L.A. back in that era, because growing up in the 80s, I remembered some of that stuff was still around, like the Van Nuys Drive-In. There was no mistaking that sign. And here's an interesting thing. Out, out, out here where I live, it, next to the uh, Saga Speedway, they built, they completely rebuilt that sign. Like, to every last detail, they built that sign. Wow. So that was a hell of a thing. So, definitely, while that's still in theaters, I recommend checking that out. Most definitely. All right, so we're going to wrap things up for tonight. T5, how you feeling after your first episode as co-host? I like it. Let's go with it. <laughs> All right. I'm with you on that one. 
Oh, and one more thing before wrapping it up. Um, on, sub on September 7th, uh, Paley Fest out here in L.A. is doing a thing for upcoming show, like, previews. And it's the CW shows. Not all of them, just the new stuff, including Batwoman. So I'll be... So I'll be getting to check out a, I, I don't know if it's the whole episode or just the preview of Batwoman, and I think they're going to have for a panel um, cast and crew for that one. They're being very tight-lipped about who, but I'm like, it damn well better be Ruby Rose. <laughs> I'm just saying, the title character, you, you better have her. Yeah, you might want to. Yeah. No, we're going to have police officer number one. <laughs> no, we're gonna have the guy that puts the that sets up the donuts for the concessions. <laughs> like yeah, I played police officer number one. Yeah, it was a real, it was a real, it's really light on the set. Oh, oh, I've talked to her before. She's a real nice woman. <laughs> I was the one that handed her the red wig. Now, if you play, if you pay attention real closely. That's me with the baton, and I look up in the sky and say, it's the bat signal. That's me. <laughs> I'm giving a speeding ticket to her bat cycle. <laughs> you can't park here. That's not right. Oh, man. But, yeah, that, but that'll be that'll be pretty cool. And I'm also, for um, on that same week, I'm actually going to be attending a live podcast of... Um, Vampire Diaries alumni, Kayla Ewell and Candace King, their direct, Directionally Challenged podcast. So, getting, oh, getting to see those two live. Oh, man. Done that before, and I gotta tell you, meeting them up, meeting them in person, if heaven looks that good, I'll throw myself into traffic right now. Mm-mm, don't do that. No, I'm not being serious. I'm, but, um... Don't go to the <laughs> Eh, screw it. It's too far. <laughs> Anybody that saw Idle Hands will get that reference. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna wrap things up for tonight. We'll be back. We'll be back next episode. He's Travis T. Five Smith. I'm Sean Williams. This has been Variety Bites and People. We are out of here. Hey guys, this is Sean Williams, the host of the Shark Attack and Variety Bites and the owner of the Sean Williams Podcast Network. I'm hoping you guys are loving what you hear. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing from the show, make sure that you can make sure that if you feel like it, you donate to help keep this rev revolution going. Just there's no real set amount, no minimum, no maximum, just whatever you feel like donating to help keep this show going. And I wanted to take this opportunity to also mention that this show also now has a voice message system. So you can actually leave voice messages for th with your comments, your questions, anything that you want me to cover on either the Shark Attack or on Variety Bites. If you want to leave your thoughts or questions about wrestling, make sure that you mention that, that it's for the attack. And if you got something that you want me to talk about in sports or in entertainment, make sure you mention that it's for Variety Bites. And I promise the link for the voice message 
will be provided in the episode description at the end end of this show. So guys, make sure make sure you donate if you like what you hear. And of course, make your voice heard and leave your some leave your voice message on on this show. And because I guarantee you it will make it a good one, make it count, because I will also have it played on the air. So make your voices heard, people, and help keep this revolution going. <laughs>